Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in today's show, we're getting some insight into Texans draft picks, Nico Collins and Garrett Wallow with guys who covered each of them during their college career. My first guest is Isaiah Hole, who covers the Michigan Wolverines for USA Today and is host of Lockdown Wolverines with my old friends from the Lockdown Podcast Network. All of that means Isaiah Hole has spent some time watching wide receiver Nico Collins catch some passes. Great to have you on, Isaiah. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. The Texans used fourth-round picks, two of them, <laughs> one this year, one next year, and a fifth round to trade up to get Nico Collins. Is he worth it? Is he worth it? Absolutely. I had actually saw on The Athletic, Bruce Feldman had talked to some NFL brass and scouts, and some of them were saying they would be surprised if he fell out of uh, the second round. He would have been, in my eyes, he would have been at worst a second round pick. He very well could have worked his way into the first if he would have played in 2020. And he had intended on playing in 2020, but the way everything went for him, he was all set to go. You know, he was participating in the preliminary fall camp that Michigan was having, which wasn't quite fully going on yet. And then the Big Ten said, nope, we're not having a season. And so he was like, well, if we're not having a season. Instead of going to school, I already have my degree. Might as well uh, go down to Pensacola, Florida and start working out for the NFL draft. Start getting ready for that. And then the, by the time the Big Ten came around and said, you know what, we are going to have a season after all, he felt like he was too far gone. He was mulling coming back, but just felt like he was too far gone, signed with an agent, all of that stuff. That said, he's the one receiver out there that is your – it might not be prototypical anymore as far as what you see in the NFL, but it, it from when you, when you think about what an NFL receiver is, I mean, you think guys like Randy Moss – T.O., those tall guys that are really fast and have great hands. And that's exactly what Nico Collins is. Ran a, a 4-4, I think it was like 4-4-5 in the, on, his, on pro day. Uh, he had run last spring something like a 4-3-8. I can't remember the exact number, but blazing speed, excellent hands. He's the type of guy where Michigan fans were always really frustrated because it was like, why aren't you throwing to Nico? Just every play, just throw to Nico. It's a 50 per 50% chance. He's going to come down with the ball. Uh, probably not going to get intercepted. There has been, there have been a couple. There was one against Rutgers uh, in 2019 where he had the ball in his hands and he was kind of pulling it down. The defender was in front of him. The defender kind of snatched it out of his hands. But aside from that, like, I mean, there've been a couple times cause I do sideline photography. I've been a couple times where I've been right in front of him, and he's come down with the ball and you look and you're like, how did he even come down with that? Uh, but he, he's got everything. While a lot of other teams are more going after Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and the shiftier, smaller receivers that have become all the rage in college football, Nico Collins is kind of a throwback, but he also has that similar speed that you kind of expect from a smaller guy. So I, I think he's the complete package. Like I said, he would be a, at worst, second rounder. I definitely think that 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 was a really really great move by Houston if you're looking to add to your offense and you're if you're looking for a guy that can eventually be a number one receiver I think that he's an absolute steal you see a couple of reports here and there and you know some scouts will say one thing and another and I just want to get it from somebody that has a chance to has had a chance to watch him so much uh, over the last couple of years and they said 
you know, he needs a little improvement on his route running. He doesn't get separation on shorter routes. Do you think he, any of those are fair weaknesses of his? I think that's that's a fair assessment. Route running is a little bit harder for me to assess since I've only seen him from the from field view with the camera pressed up to my face. But definitely didn't have a lot of shorter intermediate catches in his tenure at Michigan. But with that in mind, it, it seems like Michigan wasn't really trying to have that type of game with him. For for Nico, he was that stretch the field, get that big play type receiver. And he he really increased year over year to the point where he finished with a night, I think it was 19.7 or somewhere around there it was somewhere in the 19s yards per catch. But he was your big play guy. You expected him to, to be, you know, be able to go downfield and, uh, and get those uh, deep balls. So that that's to me is the bigger emphasis of what he's good at. I, I don't think that Michigan was necessarily trying to dink and dunk with Nico out there. He really was just more of a deep threat. Looking at his numbers, do you feel like he was inhibited at all by his quarterbacks or the style of play that Michigan has? Some will say, a lot A lot of people say, and I saw a lot of scouts say that he was inhibited by his quarterback. Definitely his freshman year, that was the case because Wilton Spate was the initial quarterback. He got injured in uh, week four, and then John O'Corn played for a couple weeks, and then he got benched for Brandon Peters, a true freshman, and a redshirt freshman, rather, and and then he played until he got a concussion and it, Nico, you know, it was just his first year. So it wasn't necessarily a lot expected of him at that point. But then in 2018, when he kind of started to come on the sophomore season, he had Shea Patterson, but Michigan was really more of a run first team at that time. And they were more spreading the ball around really started to flex in 2019, but Michigan had kind of, they, you know, they had hired Josh Gaddis as the offensive coordinator. So they were trying to do a little bit more of the dink and dunk because uh, Gaddis preaches speed and space. So Ronnie Bell ended up seeing a lot more targets than, than Nico. Still, Nico had a similar amount of yards as Ronnie Bell, somewhere in the 700s, uh, but uh, much fewer catches. He was used in certain situations, but the, the thing is Michigan had a lot of talent at that time. Ronnie Bell only being a three-star, but they had five-star Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's now with the Browns. There were a lot of different guys that they were going to, not to mention Tariq Black, who just uh, just signed uh, an und- as an undrafted free agent with the Colts. So they just had a lot of talent. And to me, that was a, probably the biggest inhibitor. Uh, they, they weren't really trying to hone in on one guy. They want a room full of a bunch of different guys, especially since he is more of a downfield type of uh, player. Michigan Wesley just wasn't really trying to do that type of uh, that type of play. It really was more of a kind of a West Coast style offense for the 2018 season and uh, 2019. It was more of a pro spread, so it didn't necessarily utilize his talents to to his best ability in that light. So I think that's why you didn't see as many targets because people say like, yeah, if he had a better quarterback, but he just wasn't targeted enough. I mean, he was still reeling in like 56, I think, percent of his passes. But he just, at the same time, was just not getting targeted as much as a guy of his talent probably should have been. One other thing that they had in the scouting report was that he's not that quick off the line. It takes him a little bit to to pick up speed. And when they say that there's not really a lot of separation on these shorter routes, that makes a lot of sense. But you know, you said you've seen him make a lot of these contested catches. And, you know, the, the fans of, of the Houston Texans will think of 
DeAndre Hopkins because he wasn't always open. He was actually rarely open on a lot of the shorter routes, but he was great at making those contested catches. Is that the same type of thing that you've seen from Nico Collins? I don't know if you watch a lot of DeAndre Hopkins, but does he remind you at all of him when you watch him? I haven't seen a lot of DeAndre Hopkins personally, but that sounds exactly like what, what I think of when I think of Nico. Uh, I think the best scenario that I can think of is uh, in, in 2019 on the road to Wisconsin, Michigan was after halftime, it was pretty much obvious that Michigan wasn't going to win the game, but offense started trying to march down the field and uh, throw it to Nico kind of became kind of the mode that the offense had decided it was going to go with. And there was one catch in particular and I, I actually have it on video because I'm on the actual video from the Fox broadcast because I was right there. It was the most obvious pass interference because this uh, defender from the Badgers was just draped all over him. And he still somehow came down with the ball. It was one of those things. It didn't matter how much you were trying to interfere with him. He's got that level of concentration and his hands are that good that he can come down with a ball where – He's got someone just completely all over him. So that's the type of thing that I would expect to see him to continue. Obviously, you've got better corners at the pro level than you do the college level. But Wisconsin's one of the things it's known for is having really good def- defensive play. They've long had really good uh, corners, and yet he still made this play. I was just in shock when he came up with it because it was one of those things where you you can't imagine when you're looking at that play live that a receiver would ever be able to come down with that. And yet he did. That's good to hear. And, you know, one of the things that you don't hear about him is the fact that he's a diva at all. You might expect a lot of that from your better wide receivers in the NFL, which is a great sign. In fact, you know, when I was reading about him, the word humble came up, which was really good. How would you describe his personality and kind of being around the guy a little bit? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I think that some of his classmates that were uh, were wide receivers, they 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 certainly were those types of divas. He's not been that, and uh, I, I I think I have a pretty decent parable here to to kind of show you how, his humility. I actually ran into him about two weeks before the draft, uh, right here in my apartment complex in Ann Arbor. I was coming coming back from the pet store and turn the corner and uh, see Nico Collins walking a dog. So roll roll down my window, come, you know, go say hi to him real quick. And we talk for a few minutes just about, you know, life and, you know, getting ready for the draft and, you know, his feelings about it. Uh, but number one, he's he's out walking his girlfriend's dog for just on his own and everything, which you can pretty much tell you is not very diva like behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he wasn't too big for his britches in that sense. But then I told him about I had been scrolling through some old videos and everything. I had found uh, an interview I did with him as a recruit back in 2016 that summer. And uh, he was on campus during the summer for an official visit. You know, he had braces and all that stuff. And he, he was like, I really have to see that again. And I kind of used that to, to say, like, he hasn't changed because he participated in that camp that Michigan was throwing on his official weekend. He certainly didn't have to. I mean, he was a four, you know, high-end four-star. Alabama and other schools were interested in him. He was an Alabama kid, but he laced up and 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 went to work. I still see the same guy now. I will say this: he is prone to a soundbite. He is certainly prone. You know, will certainly say some things that like wide receivers will. 
that will kind of give fodder sometimes maybe to uh, to the opposition. But it, it's it's not hostile. It's not mean spirited and it's not egocentric. He is certainly a humble guy. Yeah. One of the things that I read was when Jim Harbaugh came to recruit him. He uh, got there and Nico was eating some Dairy Queen and Harbaugh and him immediately were getting along so well that Harbaugh was, you know, reaching in and grabbing some of the French fries from uh, Nico's uh, Dairy Queen order. And they seem to get along really well. Is there anything that we haven't touched on or anything you think Houston Texans fans just need to know about Nico Collins and, and what to expect from him? Not that I can particularly think of, but uh, it's one of those things where I, I think that, uh, like I said, it's it's a great pick. He's a type of guy that I think in a in a year where you didn't have Devontae Smith and a pandemic year and all of those things, if everything would have gone as it probably normally would have, there's probably a really good chance that Nico would have been a first round type pick. He didn't uh, didn't end up being that, and I think a big reason why was because he uh, he didn't get to take part in 2020. And because of what the Big Ten had done. So I think it's just an absolute steal because he's got all the talent in the world. And I, I think that uh, a lot of the issues that you might have with him are fixable. And I can't say enough about the guy. I think he's the the best receiver to come out of Michigan in quite a long time. I mean, not that Michigan's had a lot of receivers recently, but I mean, Michigan's got a long storied history from Braylon Edwards, David Terrell, Ty Streets, a bunch of different guys just seemed like every year Michigan was putting all of its receivers into the league, Jason Avant, you know, uh, but I think he's right up there with, uh, with any of them. Maybe he doesn't have the gaudy stats of Braylon Edwards, but he's that type of guy as far as on the field and an off the field as demure as, as you could really kind of hope to, to have definitely a locker room type guy. Yeah. You didn't mention a guy named Desmond. People in Michigan will be, Upset that you didn't throw his name in there as wide receivers. He was 30 years ago now. I, you know, it's plus he won a Heisman. So it's a, that's not something that happens often. The Heisman trophy winning wide receiver. What Devante was what the first one since does something like that. So that's great stuff. And if any of our listeners just want to pose a question about Nico that maybe I, I didn't get to, or, you know, we, we didn't talk about how can they connect with you on social media and where can they find the podcast? They can find the the podcast Lockdown Wolverines wherever you get your podcast or on any platform at Isaiah Hole. And hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is the obvious choice. My DMs are open, and uh, even TikTok, Pinterest if you're so inclined. But I I haven't used Pinterest ever. <laughs> well, that's uh, great stuff. Thanks so much for doing this, and thanks for getting us a little excited about Nico Collins here. Absolutely, my pleasure. Now joining me is Stephen Simcox, who covers the TCU Horned Frogs as host of the Locked On Horned Frogs podcast. Uh, my old friends over there worked there for a couple of years with Locked On Texans. And all of that, of course, means that Stephen, very familiar with linebacker Garrett Wallow, the Texans' fifth-round pick. Great to have you on the show, Stephen. Robert, I appreciate you having me, man. Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk some, uh, some Garrett Wallow. I'm excited. Well, the Texans basically traded three draft picks to move up and take Wallow. <laughs> We're not too happy about it. Were you shocked at all? Were you expecting him to go as high as the fifth round of the draft? I was uh, I was a little surprised. I thought Garrett would maybe be a sixth or seventh round pick. I think you're getting a hardworking dude, a good dude. There's some athletic limitations there. But, yes, I was I was somewhat surprised that the Texans went up and got him. 
Um, and, and part of the surprise, too, was, you know, TCU had a safety, Trayvon Merrick, who got taken in round two. And then there was another safety, our Darius Washington, uh, who everybody thought would be more in that fourth or fifth round range that Garrett actually went in. And, and he ended up going undrafted. So a few of those guys flipped where we thought they might go. But Garrett Wallow in the fifth round, didn't expect it. I realize giving up those picks makes it even kind of more valuable, him panning out and, and being a, a contributor for this team. Uh, but I do think the Texans are getting a good player. Was a little surprised, though, that, that he went where he did. What are his strengths? I mean, from looking at it from your standpoint, you've seen him play over the last few years. What what should the Texans expect from him? So he was in the middle of the four two five defense for Gary Patterson the past couple of seasons, and uh, Gary runs a complex scheme. I mean, he's a defensive guy. He expects his players to know exactly what their assignments are, what they're supposed to do on every play. And, and Garrett was sort of quarterbacking that as a middle linebacker for the past few years. So intelligent, sharp, reads uh, plays well. Um, you know, understands based on formations and schemes, kind of what the offense is trying to do. And he's really turned himself into a linebacker. He was actually a safety in high school. He came from New Orleans, um, and he was able to put on some weight and put on some size and move to more of that inside linebacker position. Um, he had 32 and a half tackles for loss over his career, so he was able to get in the backfield. He did a nice job reading recognizing, uh, you know, on run plays. I think he was serviceable in coverage. I, I have some concerns about him in coverage at the next level, but you know that that safety experience gives him the ability to move his hips well, drop well, uh, match up with some guys coming out of the backfield, which I think is a plus. But I feel like the biggest thing is just kind of those football instincts and that intelligence that allows him to get to where he needs to go and get side to side across the line of scrimmage and make plays. Those are his his biggest strengths as a player. You mentioned his issues with coverage. Is that the biggest weakness or are there anything else that you think people need to look out for as far as him moving forward? And is there something about him as a player that makes you think he can get better at those type of mm -hmm. things? Or is that something that's just physically he's not capable of maybe stepping it up another level and becoming a good coverage linebacker? So he ran a four six forty, a four six two forty at his pro day which is not blazing, but I don't think it's necessarily a detriment. But Robert, I mean, he's a guy that's just going to have some athletic limitations. Uh, he's also a little undersized at 6'2", 200. So I'd, I'd say being able to stay with fast, quick running backs at the next level is going to be an issue. And then also, you know, if, if they're going to ask him to cover bigger tight ends coming across the middle at times, that could present itself as an issue. So I, I do feel like dropping back, and playing man coverage would probably be his biggest weakness. Now, if if you're asking him to play like some some zone schemes and that kind of thing, I think he can do that just because, as I said earlier, like he was a safety in high school, so he does kind of have that understanding of how to read a quarterback and drop back and and make plays. I I think he's a, a sharp guy and he can get better. I, I feel like if there's some technique issues that they can hone in on, then that's definitely something that Garrett can grow in athleticism wise. I mean, I, I don't really know how much that's going to get better at this point. I don't think he's going to suddenly become like a four, four guy, but at four, six, I don't feel like he's a completely slow footed kind of old school middle linebacker that you would see 10 or 15 years ago in the NFL. As a linebacker in the fifth round, that's somebody that you're expecting to be 
maybe a special teams guy early mm-hmm. in his career. How, how did he do there with TCU? Was that something that he, he was involved with a lot? Yeah, he had 362 snaps on special teams. So even when he uh, stepped into that starting role, that was still something that he did running down on kickoff, running down on punt. So as far as making an impact immediately as a rookie, uh, I definitely think that's going to be you know, a good role for him is coming down. He's a sure tackler. He can make plays in space. So doing that in the special teams game is something that he has done in college. And, and I think he can definitely do for Houston. He's one of those great stories in the draft. And it's just working class family, single mom. There were times his mom said when neighbors would help us out and bring groceries through the back door. I mean, that was how poor they were at, at that time. Uh, she texts him inspirational quotes about leadership. And from everything you hear, Coach Gary Patterson loved Wallow, right? He did, yeah. He was, uh, you know, he was one of Gary's favorite guys. A really good developmental story. He's your typical TCU player. I mean, not a super highly rated recruit, like a three-star player. Um, someone who was productive in high school but wasn't getting attention from, you know, LSU, for instance, since he was in Louisiana or some other big Power 5 schools in that area, but came in, bought into the program, got bigger, got stronger, got better. And then, I mean, you know, his junior year, which was really his only kind of full season at linebacker. He played a full season last year, but with COVID TC only played 10 games instead of 12, but he stepped in and had 125 tackles uh, and, and was just exactly the guy they thought he could be 18 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, had an interception against UT in a big moment. So, he bought into what Gary was trying to preach there and sell there. Um, he became sort of the quarterback of that defense. He was a hardworking player. He actually made Yahoo Sports, the late Therese Paler. Uh, he used to do an all-juice team, and, and they did that again in honor of him this year, and they named Garrett to that because just his intensity and the way he would get after it on the football field. So I, I think fans are going to enjoy watching him play because he's – He's one of those guys that just kind of goes about his business the right way and plays with a little swagger as well. While I have you on the line, I I did want to ask you about another horned frog on the Texans, Ross Blacklock, who eh, didn't have exactly a breakout (laughs) year. And it's especially bad when J.J. Watt calls you out at one point in the season and says you're stupid and selfish. Uh, What was his reputation at TCU? And and, and are you surprised it's what's happened with him? I was surprised at the attitude issues. That wasn't really something that I heard about Ross at TCU. Um, He was a big time player. I mean, he's big 12 freshman of the year and then he tore his Achilles a sophomore year. And I thought his junior season, I felt like he, he was okay. Um, And it's really hard as you know, Robert, to kind of measure defensive tackles, nose tackles just solely on stats because their job really is to kind of reestablish the line of scrimmage. And if they can make, big plays and big tackles behind the line, then that's a huge plus. But I felt like his junior year was a little underwhelming. And because of the size and the athleticism and a lot of the measurables, like people still sort of saw him as a late first-round pick. And I, I thought if you turned on the tape his junior year, it, it really wasn't there. But I was I was hoping that would turn around for him in Houston, his rookie season, as maybe he got healthier and, you know, got in the NFL system but it didn't last year. And then that was pretty obvious. Uh, but the attitude issues and yeah, JJ Watt calling him out, that was super disappointing because that wasn't something I had heard about Ross. And, and obviously that's something that no matter 
how good or bad of a season you're having, you, you can control those things. Those are, are things that you have com- complete control over. And uh, obviously some frustration kind of boiled over for him during the season. If any of our listeners want to pose a question about Garrett Wallow, something maybe that I didn't get to or I missed, uh, how can they contact you on social media and, and where can they find the podcast? At Simcox Steven is where you can find me, Stevens with a PH, at Simcox Steven. That's my Twitter handle. And then at Locked On TCU is the show's Twitter handle. The podcast is called Locked On Horn Frogs. And you can find that really wherever you know you, you like to consume podcasts. Apple and Spotify are, are kind of the most popular. But um, yeah, again, it's, it's a Locked On Horn Frog. So if you have any more questions about Garrett Wallow or uh, want to keep up with how Ross is doing this season or just have interesting thoughts about TCU, you can hit me up or, or listen to the pod for sure. Can't thank you enough for doing this. And, you know, we're looking forward to see what Garrett Wallach can do on the football field. But uh, th- thanks again, really. Appreciate the invite, Robert. Thank you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.